We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're beginning on this uh, 40 days of, of community, and I hope you've found a group. And if you haven't found a group, they haven't started yet, so you can still get in. Uh, talk to Allison uh, at the Welcome Center, and if you're a group leader, we have your DVD, and we have books for you as well, and you can get DVDs and the books that you need for your group uh, today and be ready to start this week. This comes right after our Finding the Hope campaign, and in the Finding the Hope campaign, you know, the main message that we were trying to get across to people was that uh, in the church you have communities of hope. You have people who have found hope, and that Uh, God has a promise of hope for people and specifically that that hope is found not only in his son Jesus Christ first and foremost there but also that he's not left us alone to follow our faith on our own and to try to sort of just you know do it in this sort of lone ranger uh, point of view but that we have hope in the community that he's adopted us into that we're adopted into a family that we are placed in a church that we're not just left here on the earth to do everything alone but we have hope and that God promises that if, if we do it His way, if we follow His good precepts and His good ideas, uh, that we will have hope and help in our struggle with whether it's loneliness or fatigue or frustration or addiction or these things that we struggle with that we need hope in. God says there is a place for hope, and it's this concept of the church. It's this concept of community. And so that leads us into 40 days of community, and that's, that's what we want to get across through these 40 days, that that we're not meant to be out on our own, that we're not meant to be lone rangers. Primarily that the, the role of the Christian faith or the plan that God has for us is not independence, but interdependence. And so in North America, we struggle with this more than probably other cultures around the world. And we probably struggle in North America more now in the 20th and 21st century than they have in past centuries because there was such a drive to survival that interdependence basically was a way of life. You had to be interdependent, but that shifted uh, in the last century or so that we bought into this myth that says that the key to happiness is independence, that if I have relational independence, if I have financial independence, if I'm independent in every area of my life, if I'm somehow protected from dependence on other people, then I am safe, that I will not let anybody get too close to me, I'll be self-sufficient, and then I'll be happy. I'll have everything taken care of. And yet we know that even through this culture of independence and having everything under control and everything safe and everything taken care of, we see more and more people depressed and more and more people with illnesses that come from loneliness. And we have more and more people um, closer to suicide or, or, or taking part in suicide. And so it's not true that this idea that self-sufficiency leads to happiness, that independence leads to happiness. God says that the key to happiness is not independence, but interdependence, that we need each other. And we've looked at this as we studied the body of Christ in the church. Romans 12 says, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us all needs the others. And so a few years ago, Lakeside did 40 Days of Purpose. You remember he did 40 Days of Purpose. And um, the big idea of that spiritual journey over the 40 Days of Purpose was that God put us on earth for a purpose. And you're not just here to use your life the way you want to use it, but that God has a purpose for your life. And God created you uniquely to fill that purpose, even as Graham prayed. And that was the big idea behind 40 Days of Purpose. And, and today what we do is we move on to 40 Days of Community, which is like part two of 40 Days of Purpose. And the big idea behind 40 Days of Community is that the Christian faith is a community project. 
that the Christian faith is not something that we were meant to do on our own, but the Christian faith is something we were meant to do in community. And we're going to focus on that lesson of learning how to love one another in community, of how to do relationships and how to, how to make relationships work, how to turn bad relationships into good relationships and how to make good relationships stronger and how to become interdependent and not independent. That God wants to use other people in our lives and how he uses those other people and how he wants, them to, how he wants to use us in other people's lives. And so we're going to do a sort of an introduction today to look at why we need each other and why we need God's family and specifically the five reasons God says that you need people in your life and why you need a small group. Now, when we started on this, you've got the books and you've got the DVD and there's, there were PowerPoint slides and everything that went with it and MP3s and transcripts and all that. So I looked at, it comes from Saddleback with Rick Warren and, and I looked at his transcripts and I looked at his notes and his transcripts were 22 pages long. Okay, so when he preached this first sermon, it was an hour and 20 minutes. I've gone from 22 pages down to seven, okay? So I'm sparing you about an 50 minutes of Rick Warren's sermon. Um, and I'm going to go through these five points and, uh, in, the, in the six pages that I have left. Um, but the point is, is that there is a lot that we could say about community and about the reasons that we need each other. But in Rick's typical way, he has five points. And uh, the first one is, we need each other, we need others to walk with us, or I need others to walk with me. So this first point, first point, it means that I need help, I need you to help me grow spiritually. Colossians 2, 6 to 7 says, just as you receive Christ Jesus in the Lord, so walk in him. And so as you go through scripture, you, you remember that the Bible often compares uh, our spiritual life to a walk. Because we're on a journey. We don't just sit still in life. We actually move through life. And you're not now today where you used to be uh, a year ago. At least we hope not, right? And two years ago and ten years ago. As you go through life, it's compared to a walk. Because in the future, you're not going to be where you are today. And you're on a journey. And so the spiritual life of the Christian life is a walk. And through the New Testament, we're told to walk in wisdom and to walk in love and to walk in light. We're to walk in obedience. We're to walk in the spirit. We're to walk as Jesus walked. These are all phrases from the New Testament that is used to describe the spiritual journey that we're on. But there are reasons not to walk alone. Three good reasons why we need others to walk with us. First of all, it's safer. It's just safer to walk together than to walk alone. And that's pretty obviously physically, but also spiritually. And the verse that I would have here for this safety would be James five nineteen to 20. It says, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, there's walking again, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will, may save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And so the scripture says, as you're walking, brothers and sisters around you may wander away from the truth and they need the safety of others to bring them back onto the path. That if they wander away, they need someone there to guide them back onto the path in order that they not be lost and that they could cover and, and turn them away from a multitude of sins if they were to continue down that path. So it's safer to walk together. Secondly, it's supportive. There's an old Zambian proverb that says, when you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. And that's the message sort of behind the idea of community. That life is not a 50-yard dash. It's a marathon. And that when you're running, you need to run together. When you see these runners in their marathons on TV, you think, oh, it's just them. But there's a whole team behind those runners. There's their trainers, and there's the pace people, and the, the people on their team that run ahead, and then they will change 
you know, positions, and somebody else will set the pace for a while. And then uh, the people supporting them along the sidelines, giving them water and things like that. So even something like a marathon that looks like a solitary sport is never a solitary sport. Um, you know, I'm looking and I see the Lesters and I think about Luke. And when he's riding a snowmobile, you see him out there riding a snowmobile on the racing circuit 10 years ago or so. And you think, oh, he's amazing and he's doing it all on his own. He was never doing it on his own, right? It was a whole team of people that were making sure that he could run that race. And so we don't run the race alone. We run it with support. And so we need each other to run with us. Thirdly, it's just smarter to have other people with us on our walk. Proverbs 28:26 says, only fools trust in what they think alone. That is an awesome proverb. Only fools trust in what they think alone. And we can get that way. We can get into a situation where we think we have the right answer or we're thinking something, but we're the only ones thinking that way. And everybody around us is trying to correct us and say, you've got the wrong look on this thing. You're looking at it from the wrong perspective. And, you know, if they were, you know, trying to gently say, it's not me saying it, it's the Bible, they could point to 2826 and say, it's only fools who trust in what they alone think. If you're thinking it on your own, you're probably not on the right path. And so we need to be smart about how we live our Christian life together and rely on each other. And we need people to tell us that we're off the path and we're missing it, that we're, that we're on our own, and we need to come back into the family and think rightly about things. It says The Bible says, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. So physical family and spiritual family. The physical family is where you grew up, and the spiritual family is the one you have the rest of your life. It goes on into eternity. And so God's plan for us is that we be together in this family, walking this walk together. And, you know, the physical family eventually moves apart, uh, eventually doesn't go on, but the spiritual family of God's church goes on forever and ever. And so God says, I want you to be connected to my family. So that's what this is all about, this 40 days of community here at Lakeside. It's all about us learning again how to be a family again, learning how to love one another, not just our own families, you know, not just going home for Sunday lunch and having, you know, our kids and our grandkids over. And that's a great thing to, to have fellowship together with your family. But to remember that we have a spiritual family that we need to invite into each other's homes and to share meals together and to share life with just as much as with our physical family, our spiritual family, and to learn how to do that again. And that's why we're meeting together in small groups. Hebrews 10 says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. It's a habit of meeting together, something we do all the time. Instead, let us encourage one another. You know, the writer of Hebrews says, you're created for community. God says, you're created for community, and I want you to encourage each other by meeting together. And that's a lot about what the 40 days of community is about, to relearn how to reconnect. And the look who's coming to dinner, I encourage you to sign up for that. And the Christmas dinner that's coming, which will be a family dinner for us together at the end of this, a celebration of the 40 days, just happens to come right in December, and so we get to celebrate Christmas together. All of those things are meant to be done together as a family, to encourage each other by being together. And that verse is not talking about what we're doing right now. This is community, but it's not the community that, that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. It's not the community that God is ultimately talking about, ideally. Because this is a crowd. I mean, this is a fairly large crowd. And so we can pray for each other, as Graham did, and, and we can hear testimony from each other once in a while, as we do from time to time. But we can't hear from everybody. You know, I can't stand up here and ask everybody how their day is going or ask everybody for a prayer item to pray for. And we can't pray for 120 or 130 people up here in this community. This, this is not what Hebrews is talking about when it talks about meeting together. The book of Hebrews is talking about meeting together in small groups when everybody has a voice. 
to be able to share their heart, what is on their heart, and can be prayed for. And everybody can be prayed for together in that small group. When you have 8 or 10 or 12 people, everybody can be heard, and everybody can bring uh, their need, and everybody can bring a word from God in that situation. And everybody in the group can be cared for, supported equally. And so it's not talking about a crowd. It's not talking about the church in a big sense. It's talking about meeting together in your house. And, and where I get that from is from even from this first century, from Jerusalem. It's, it's not about the numbers. If you look at Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, it was a mega church. The church in Jerusalem was huge. 3,000 members on the very first day, right? So, you know, when you add 3,000 members on the first day, that's a big church, right? And so when the writer of Hebrews is writing this about the Christians in Jerusalem meeting together, he's not talking about the 3,000 or the 5,000 or the 10,000 that would meet in the temple courts and would listen to the apostles preaching and listen to the message of God from the apostles. He's talking about meeting together. Don't give up the habit of meeting together in your homes to encourage one another, to bring a song, to bring a prayer, to bring a need. Because it's easy to be alone in a crowd. I mean, the reality is there could be people who have been coming here for years and still feel lonely at Lakeside with 130 people around them. You can be lonely in a church of 20. You can be lonely in a church of 200. You can be lonely in a church of 2,000. It's not about numbers. It's about the relationship between the people that you know. And it's that small group, that family feeling. And so the encouragement here is to get together in a small group and understand that there are people who will care for you and want to care for you and pray for you. And so that's what we do. And there's no excuses, really. The 40 days of community is just a six-week commitment, so it's an easy start. And it has a DVD, and it has a workbook, and it's an easy way to start a small group if you've never been in one before or you've forgotten how it works. This is the time to start. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4 and 9, Open your homes to each other without complaining. What is your complaint? What's your excuse for not opening your home? There is no excuse You know, people say, oh, there's this going on or that going on in my life. It's one night a week that you can get together and show your love for other people by opening up your home or going to another person's home to show your love in community to them. So that's what that's what this is about. This 40 days is about our need to walk together in community. The Bible says where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And you say, well. You know, I don't really like everybody. I don't even like my neighbors, or I don't like this person that's sitting on the other side of there, you know. But that doesn't matter. You can invite them, you know, invite people that you like. I'm trying to take away all the excuses, right? So if you just want to invite people you like, then just invite people that you like. Don't invite people that you don't like. Start with the people that you like, you know. Or people say, my home is dirty. Well, that's easy. Clean it up. Or just invite people over. Or just invite people over because their home is dirty too. You know, we need this moratorium on cleaning up. Nobody's allowed to clean up their home for 40 days. And then everybody's got a messy home, okay? So there's no excuse to not have people over. Invite the people that you like. Don't worry that your house is messy. You know, serve whatever kind of food you want. But make sure that people are invited over. Make sure that you participate in this. Everybody has a longing to belong. Everybody wants to belong to something. Everybody has a desire for this community. And so don't deprive the church of its opportunity for community. Don't deprive other believers of opportunity for community with you. Because deep in our human spirit, there's a longing to belong. And that's why, um, you know, we're made for relationships. That's why we have this feeling. And so, you know, it's just my encouragement to participate. We were talking about this this week. You know, why do you think teenagers still smoke? 
You know, teenagers still smoke because there's a longing for community. You know, they've been told since, for the last 20, 30 years, we've been telling everybody that when you smoke, you die. Like, that's what happens. Um, there's no good thing that comes out of smoking. And yet you have teenagers that are growing up now, and they still pick up cigarettes and start smoking. Why? Because they have an instant community. As soon as you pick up a cigarette and walk outside, you've got 20 other friends who all share the same community. And you can stand out there in minus 25 and, you know, freeze your butt off, and, but you have a community. And so the idea, and so it's just a reality that we're made for community. We are so desperate for community in our hearts that we will suck carcinogens into our lungs and kill ourselves in the hope that we will have community. I mean, this is just a, this is just a reality of human nature. People are desperate for community and will kill themselves in order to have it. And so, you know, let's make it so that, you know, people don't have to kill themselves in order to have community. Let's make it easy. Let's, you know, well, I was going to say feed them chicken wings and stuff, but that may kill them just as quickly. <laughs> let's have nice salads and gluten-free bread, but no kale. I will not come if you have kale. I draw the line at kale. But God has a better idea for community than having to kill ourselves to join something, right? And having to compromise ourselves to join something. God's idea for community is that we be together. We need each other. Second point, the points go quicker as I go along. Um, why else? We, need, we also need others to work with me. I need people to work with me. The Bible says that God put us on earth to do certain work. He says in Ephesians 2.10, he says, God made us to do good works which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. God planned for good works for us to do. We were born of God, and he gave us talents, and he gave us gifts, and he knew what he was going to give us, our abilities that he was going to give us, the background we came from, the experiences that we've had, everything that God has done in your life, and everything that's happened has been for a purpose, that you would have good works to do in the kingdom of God. And he has a purpose in your life, he has work for you to do. But what happens here on earth is that we get worn out, and we get exhausted, and we get fatigued, and we get burned out. And some of you may have come to church this morning exhausted and burned out. Why? Because you're trying to do everything that you are called to do on your own. You're trying to work out God's gift and God's talent and God's purpose in his kingdom and in his church on your own. And that's why you're worn out. God never meant for us to go through life wearing ourselves out, accomplishing his purposes on our own. We're meant to be doing it together. We're meant to be doing ministry together. And so we have people in ministry here at Lakeside that have been standing in the gap and holding down the fort in certain ministries for years. And they're carrying the ministries almost on their own because they can't find anybody to help them or they can find very few people to take and, and share the load. And so we need to minister together or there won't be ministry because we'll burn people out. And so if you're fatigued, it's because of a lack of community. If you're worn out, it's because there's been a, a lack of coming together to serve and work together. So community is God's answer to fatigue. Community is God's answer to burnout. If you're tired, it's because we don't have the relationships built in to support us and what, what God has called us to do. You know? And so we need to do that. That's part of what this is about, is we need each other in order to fulfill our spiritual gifts together. We need each other in community in order that we not become fatigued and burned out. And it's a simple idea that we work together in order to accomplish something great. You ever see on TV, um, or maybe around here they've done it, but uh, you know the, the Amish barn building, right? They all get together, and they have all the material there, and all of a sudden the whole community shows up, and they build a barn in like a day, right? And nobody's worn out because 
you know, somebody was taking care of the materials and somebody was taking care of the timber framing and somebody was taking care of the siding and somebody taking care of the roofing and other people taking care of cooking the food and making sure that there was pie and all of that stuff. And so this whole barn gets built in a day. That's the picture of the community sharing the load to work together, to do something bigger than any one person could do. And so along with 40 Days of Community, one of the things that, that I sort of came up with on my own and going to suggest that we do is um, we're going to put together, as part of the small groups, your entry into the group is going to be um, a non-perishable food item. So every week you're going to bring food to the group. You with me? And what we're going to do with that food is then you're also going to put together a hamper. So we're going to put together Christmas hampers. So if every group could put together two or three Christmas hampers over the course of the seven weeks... Then at the end of the seven weeks, we'll have like 20 or 30 of these Christmas hampers, and we'll be able to give them to the community with a little card in it that says this is a gift of love from Lakeside Church. So it's a simple thing that we can see where if we all work together, if we all bring just a little bit, and we all contribute just a little bit, then a whole lot of good can get done at the end. And that's the idea of needing community to work together, that we need people to work with us to make the load easier. And so in your small group leaders, keep this in mind, that you want to encourage people, their entry into the small group is to bring, you know, a can of beans, a you know, bag of pasta, whatever, some Christmas decorations, whatever, that would make people's Christmas more joyful. And as a group, you together can put together two or three hampers, and then we get them all together, and we'll have 20 or 30 hampers that we can give to the community as an example of how working together, just a simple idea of everybody working in community can accomplish something bigger than anyone on their own. Thirdly, I need others to watch out for me in life. The Bible says in Hebrews 13.1, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. We need to care about each other. We need to watch out for each other. You know, we're family. We're in God's family. And as brothers and sisters, I, I should defend you and you should defend me and I should help you stay on track and you should help me stay on track. And it says keep being concerned. It says keep on doing it. You don't just do it once, but you're vigilant you know, everybody has to take time to be watching and being concerned for one another, to watch out for each other in life. Since 9-11, and with the events in Ottawa this week sort of putting a highlight on it, you know, we've all been a lot more vigilant for each other with terrorism, right? You know, the vigilance that's out there in terms of what is going on in airports and what is going on around public monuments and what is going on in government buildings, high degree of vigilance, right? Everybody is on high alert since 9-11. And everybody's going to be on high alert this week <laughs> since the stuff that went on in Ottawa. And what the Bible is saying here is that we have an enemy that we need to be on high alert for. That's what, we, that's what we often get complacent in. That there is an enemy, Satan, who hates us. That he wants to distract us. He wants to get us off of our Christian walk. He wants to destroy us. He wants to pick off the people on the outside who aren't strong in their faith. And so the writer here is saying, in Hebrews, he's saying, keep being concerned with each other as the Lord's followers should. We have to watch out for each other. We need community to watch out for each other. Because if we are not on high alert, then Satan will attack. And he will take out the outsiders. He will take out the people who are weak or the people who are faltering, the people who are struggling. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And that's a small group. That's that community group that we're talking about. That if we're in our small groups together and we continue in our small groups, we have brothers and sisters who are watching out for us. And they are watching out to make sure that nothing sneaks in to cause harm in our Christian walk. 
and can set us on the right track. So we need others to watch out for us. I was on a mission trip to the Ukraine several years ago, and uh, we were supporting a new church plant in Odessa. And uh, it was a new church plant in the middle of a whole bunch of high-rise towers. And uh, there was something like, uh, I couldn't believe the number when he said it. I uh, can't even think of it now. There were, there were something like 120,000 people within a 15-minute walk of the church. Okay, so it's in a high-density, high-rise area, and there's all these little parks in between these huge canyon buildings. And it's the kind of place where you're kind of stepping over people, you know, who are unconscious due to drug use in the stairways. And, um, but anyway, we're at a church event, and after church, we're all going to go to McDonald's as a treat because they still think McDonald's is a treat over there. And uh, so <laughs> we were all taking them to McDonald's for a treat, and we were walking from the church to the McDonald's, and we had to walk at night through these back alleyways and little parks, and everything I know about the Eastern mob, I learned from James Bond. And so, you know, I know how hard-nosed those guys can be, and, uh, and it's definitely an area where there was gang activity. But as we were walking from the church, I did not have any fear at all because I was in the middle of this big group of Christians. You know, I had my own gang of Eastern Europeans uh, who grew up on the same mean streets, and I was in the middle of that pack, and so I had no fear at all as I was walking through there. And I was thinking, if I was walking through here alone, this would be a little nerve-wracking. Um, but because I was in that crowd, I didn't have any fear. And that's what the Bible's talking about here. This idea that you need somebody watching your back, that you cannot walk through the Christian life alone because the world out there is terrifying and it is fearful and Satan is prowling like a lion and he does want to devour you. And so you need to be the sheep sometime in the middle of the pack with all the sheep around you <laughs> so that you know, you're safe and protected from the things that are going on in your life and things that are attacking you. And so... If you don't have anybody watching your back, if you don't have anybody like that in your life, this is the opportunity to get that person. Get into one of these small groups. Get into the 40 days of community. Give it a try for just 40 days and get that gang around you that is there to protect you. Guys and girls around you who are saying, uh, who are speaking into your life, that are there for you when you're going through tough times, that are not going to let you get discouraged, that are not going to let you get off the path that we're all going to go through this together. Because if you're on your own, you've got a big bullseye on you. If you're walking through those streets of Odessa, uh, through those alleyways on your own, you've got a big bullseye for all the muggers. If you're walking through in a pack like I was, they leave you alone. And it's the same thing with Satan. He will pick you off if you're not connected. He'll pick you, he, he will pick off the loners. He'll pick off the people who aren't in a group. And so community is God's answer to fear and to defeat. Community is God's answer to protection and hope uh, as we go through life together. In Ecclesiastes 4.10, it says, If one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. And so the Bible is saying, don't be on your own when you fall. Fourthly, I need others to wait with me and weep with me. Now, this is another reality of our, of our Christian walk together. And as we've prayed for every Sunday and as we go and visit in people's homes as a pastor, I, I feel for this one because I see it every day. I see it every week. There are situations that nobody should ever have to go through alone. There are situations that come up in our lives that we should never be alone in. And God says, you don't have to be alone because I haven't left you as orphans. I haven't left you alone here on earth. I've given you a family. I've given you a community. I've given you brothers and sisters around you that you don't have to go through this alone. And so nobody should have to stand at the edge, edge of a grave alone. Nobody should have to lay in a hospital bed alone. Nobody should have to wait at home alone 
in sorrow or in depression. There should be people around you for that. And so we need others to wait and to weep with us. Our family is part of the reason for 40 days of community, of being connected. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.8, you should be like one big family full of sympathy towards each other. And when you're in the hospital and you know you don't necessarily want the whole church to visit you, in fact, that might be kind of bad if the whole church came to visit you in the hospital, but you want some people to come and visit you, right? You want your closest friends to come and visit you. You want people to come and pray with you and read scripture with you and encourage you to have four or five people come and see you. And community is God's answer to that. The family of God, the church is God's answer to that, that nobody goes through these things in life alone. That there is a participation in each other's life. It's God's answer to that. Community in these small groups is God's answer to despair. Romans twelve fifteen says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. We're to share our lives together. And again, that happens around our kitchen tables and it happens around our living rooms. And we do that in the small group. We can share our lives a little bit here, as I talked about, but we can't share in everybody's life here on Sunday morning. Everybody's life gets shared in the small group. Everybody has a chance to praise and be happy with those who are happy and to weep with those who are weak. You know, we have good times in small groups, but in our Christian walk, there's also times of sorrow, and we need people to walk with us through that sorrow. And pray. You know, prayer is such a huge part. It's a Christian secret weapon, right? I mean, it's, it's everything rolled into one. It's the Swiss Army knife. It's the panic button. You know, prayer is everything in the Christian life. And if you're in a small group with somebody, then you have opportunities to pray with them, and you have opportunities to be prayed for. Again, we can't pray with everybody and for everybody on Sunday morning, but in a small group, every prayer can be heard and every need can be prayed for. So you can just stop in the middle of those, prayer, in those small groups and pray at any time. The fifth reason that I need people in my life is I need others to witness with me. When we have this message of hope that we've talked about over the last few weeks, that we want to get out to the community, that we've found hope and, and we want others to find, find the hope, that we need to witness to others that, again, it's not this idea that we're lone rangers, that we're not just out there on our own. We have other people around us that help to express that message that we want to share with the world, that is part of our mission. The Bible says that God put us on earth to do this mission, that, that there is great power in group witness, that God never meant for us to do this mission on our own, that God never sent a soldier out by himself. He said, let's do it together. And that was the point of finding the hope, that all the churches, would, everybody in the church would do it together. Jesus says, and the other piece of this in terms of our witness, in terms of small group and community, is Jesus said in John 13, your love for one another, and the interesting thing there is he said, your love for one another, not your love for me, and not your love for God, and not your love for Jesus, but your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so that what impresses the community most in terms of the attractiveness of God is the love that Christians have for each other, that the love that we can express to each other. And so where there's a deficiency in our love being expressed to each other, there's a deficiency in our witness to the world. And so it's great to come on Sunday morning, and it's great to offer praise to God and to show our love for God. And every day, every Sunday, I pray that as people come into this worship service, as people come into our church, they would witness a people who are absolutely in love with God and absolutely transparent in the joy of their salvation, and that that witness of our love for God would draw people into a, a desire to know how they can experience that love. But that's our love directed at God. What they also need to see is our love for each other. 
So I would pray that as people come into this church, they would see how much we love each other. And if what they see is that on Sunday morning, everybody scatters back to their homes and doesn't talk to each other until next Sunday, then, you know, they're going to see that two or three weeks in a row, row and they're going to start to wonder, like, do these people really like each other? I get it that they really like God, but do they like each other? You know, because if they just scatter back to, you know, football and hockey and Survivor and Amazing Race, you know, and that's where they spend their evenings, but they don't spend time to invite each other over for dinner or to pray with each other or to get together with each other or to support other, you know, mentor other kids from other families or to, you know, walk alongside somebody who's going through an illness, then I would get, I get it that they love God, but do they really love each other? And what, what, what John, what Jesus is saying here in John 13 is he's saying your love for one another is going to prove to the world that you're my disciples. Love for God is awesome, but love for each other sends a strong message of our witness of who God is. And so when Christians, when believers love each other, that helps people see the true love of God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And then he goes on to say, The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid. Or if I was to paraphrase that, I would say, The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. That's what it is to have a spirit of love, is to enjoy being with people. And then I'm going to add and invite them into your home. If you enjoy being with people, if you love people, then you will invite them and enjoy being with them. And you'll invite them over. You'll invite yourself over for dinner. And you can do that anytime. Just give me a call. Invite yourself over for dinner. I may end up cooking if you do that, uh, but you're welcome to do that. Uh, Just invite yourself over. But we all need each other. We all need other believers to walk with us, to work with us, to watch over us, to weep with us and wait with us. And we need to wait and witness with us. And so we need community. That's the main point. You may have got it that I'm trying to get across. (laughs) That we need each other. That we need this 40 days to relearn the habits of, of being in community with each other. We need these six or seven weeks to relearn how to love each other. So that we can put on display for the world the love that we have for each other and how to get involved in each other's lives and pray for each other. And if we do that, then we will be a witness to the world. We all need other believers to walk with us and watch over us and weep with us and wait with us. We really, really, really need a group. Actually, can you say that? Can you say, I really, really, really need a group? Do you believe it? (laughs) Okay, say it again like you mean it. I really, really, really need a group. Okay. That is not a declaration of independence. That's a declaration of interdependence. Okay? You're saying, and you've said it. I made you say it. But you said it. You said you really need a group. You really need to be interconnected with other Christians. And so our goal, our hope, my hope and prayer for this 40 days is that we'll really come to understand that. That in our groups we'll be able to pray for each other, weep with each other, walk with each other, have each other's back, witness together through our love for each other, and that people will see and work together in, in ministry, and people will see and will relearn how to love each other in small group. If you do that, and, and, and if you can clear your calendar for the next 40 days, if you can, you know, PVR Survivor or, you know, PVR the, the Leafs game and, and just set aside that night to be able to be together in community, then I think you will learn the value of God putting us together in groups. This church is all about community. It has to be about community. 
Of all the people God could have chosen to be a part of Lakeside in this time, in this place, He chose you to be here, not by accident, but for a purpose. Do you understand that? That right now, nobody is sitting in any seat right now by accident. That everybody is here this morning to hear this message, and you are a part of Lakeside in whatever way you're connected to Lakeside. You're there because of God brought you to that place. Nobody's here by accident. He brought you to be part of this community on purpose. And so over the next 40 days, we want to find that purpose, to be part of community and to be learning how to love one another again. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, this opportunity. And uh, we know that it's not programs and uh, it's not DVDs and videos and it's not workbooks uh, that create church. Those are just tools. Father, the heart of this campaign is sitting in the seats right now. The heart of this campaign is the people that will invest into each other's lives. Who will say, yeah, it's dark and cold and rainy, but I'm going to get in the car anyway. And I'm going to drive across town and I'm going to have really warm, amazing fellowship with brothers and sisters. And they're going to be encouraged by my being there and I'm going to encourage them and I'm going to be encouraged by their prayer. And Father, when we spend that time together, just an hour, hour and a half together, Lord, that we will realize beyond a doubt it's the most valuable time of our week. That we had opportunity to hear and be heard. That we had opportunity to share our thoughts on your word. To be spoken to by your Holy Spirit and share that with others. To have others invested into our life and bear our burdens. To watch each other's back and correct our thinking. And to just love each other. Above all, just show love to one another. So, Father, take this 40 days, apart from the DVD, apart from the sermons, apart from the materials, which are just tools, Lord. Father, just let those fade into the background and let what rises to the surface is our heart for one another. That we really, really love you and we really, really love each other. And it's not just words coming out of our mouth. It's real. And it's in action. Father, give us love in action in the next 40 days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.